It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Sitka reported 58 positive coronavirus cases between Monday and Tuesday, according to data from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services, bringing the city's seven-day case rate to 181. As of Tuesday, 19 cases were associated with the Sitka School District, nine less than last week's total. Statewide, Alaska is still struggling with high case rates, reporting a total of 1,814 new cases Tuesday and 151 current hospitalizations. Since the beginning of the pandemic, Sitka has reported a total of 2,028 cases, 29 hospitalizations, and six deaths. The state is expecting a better year for king salmon in southeast Alaska, which in all likelihood means a better year for all harvesters, the commercial troll fleet in particular. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. Overall, about 60,000 more Chinook will be available to catch in southeast Alaska in 2022 than last year. Welcome news, especially for commercial trollers who will take the lion's share of the fish. The catch limit is set by rules negotiated under the Pacific Salmon Treaty, an agreement between the U.S. and Canada that governs the harvest of kings who originate in the big river systems from Oregon up the Canadian coast to Alaska, but co-mingle in the Gulf of Alaska. Grant Hagerman, trollfish management biologist in Sitka, says there's no single explanation for the increase in abundance. You know, definitely in winter and in summer, we have a, a, a mixed stock. We've got Alaska stocks, Canada stocks, and southern U.S. stocks. And so it's a picture of more of coastwide abundance. And so that from this year looks like, um, you know, not I'm not pinning it down to any particular stock, but just in general that, uh, that uh, the abundance would be up. 2022. The formula for determining abundance is based on the success of commercial trollers during the first half of the winter fishery beginning in mid-October. How many boats get out and how many Chinook they land allow biologists to calculate the rate of harvest called the CPUE or catch per unit effort. Hagerman says this has proven to be a reliable indicator of abundance later in the summer. What we have seen for December and January out here in Sitka is when the weather cooperated and they were able to get out, uh, that those catch rates have continued to be good um, and, and much better than um, you know, what we've seen going all the way back to 2001 for those two months. So that's, it is promising that um, you know, what we were seeing in October and November is a, is a very accurate picture of what we're going to see for abundance this next year. The Southeast Troll Fleet's share of this year's increased harvest allocation is nearly 45,000 kings and pushes their total allocation up to over 190,000 fish. Summer trolling opens on July 1st, and managers aim to harvest 70% of the allocation then, and the rest in August. The openers are often very short, just a few days. Although it's too early to be specific, Hagerman believes the additional 45,000 fish will mean longer openers. You know, that could translate into... You know, depending on if it was, you know, some of it was caught in July and some was caught in August, you're talking about, you know, two, three, four more uh, potential fishing days. But again, it's, it's really all kind of dependent on, on how those catch rates are. Economically, it's also hard to know the exact impact on the industry's revenue. Kings sell for about $10 a pound in winter and somewhat less in summer, although the fish tend to be larger. Hagerman says the additional 45,000 kings are going to make a dent. That's a fairly big uh, you know, financial increase, I think, from 2021. Other groups will share in the increase, but not quite as much as trollers. Saners and gillnetters combined take about 8% of the all-gear catch limit. 
commercial set netters take an even smaller share, and then trollers and sport fishermen divide the rest 80-20. The total value of the commercial Chinook fishery in Southeast runs to the millions, 13.2 million in 2020, 11 million in 2019, and 14.6 million in 2018. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. King salmon aren't the only fish species managed by agreement with Canada. A joint U.S. and Canadian commission that regulates halibut voted last week to boost this year's fishing limits for the valuable flatfish. The International Pacific Halibut Commission held its annual meeting virtually January 24th through the 28th. It sets the overall combined annual limits for commercial, sport, and subsistence fisheries stretching from Alaska to California. The commission approved this year's total coastwide limit at just over 41 million pounds, more than 5% increase from last year. Commission scientist Ian Stewart reported on some more encouraging signs from halibut surveys and fishing. I'd like to start with some good news, which is that we saw indices up in 2021 with younger fish, particularly the 2012 year class moving into the stock. Scientists estimate that stocks have been declining for the past five years. But Stewart said fish born in 2012 could stop that trend. He also noted for the past two years that fisheries on most parts of the coast have fallen short of catch limits. The end result is that we've, we've experienced less fishing on the stock uh, for the last two years than we would have seen any time over nearly the last decade. Over the past century, annual catches along the coast have ranged from a low of 34 million pounds to a high of around 100 million pounds. The last two years have seen total landings near the bottom of that range. Those numbers include the catches from fisheries targeting halibut, along with the bycatch from other fisheries. The increase approved for this year doesn't apply to all parts of the coast equally. For southeast Alaska, Area 2C will mean a hike closer to 2 percent, and it's nearly 4 percent for Area 3A, or the central Gulf of Alaska. Area 2B, the coast of British Columbia, sees an overall increase of around 8 percent, Area 3B in the western Gulf of Alaska sees a 25% increase. The commission also approved management measures for charter fishing in southeast and the central Gulf. In southeast, those will mean a continued one-fish bag limit, but the size limit is more restrictive. That fish has to be 40 inches or under, or bigger than 80 inches. Both guided and unguided recreational fisheries exceeded harvest limits in southeast last year. Like last year, the commercial fishing season for halibut along much of the coast will be March 6th through December 7th. The Halibut Commission will be marking its 100th year in 2024. Loss of vision can be frustrating, but there are many tools and strategies for continuing activities and tasks of daily life. That's the focus of the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. The nonprofit holds low vision clinics in communities throughout the state, and this week they're in Haines and Skagway. KHNS's Corinne Smith has more. Haynes resident Georgia Sampson is in her 80s. She's wearing a soft pink sweatshirt and a white mask, seated across from a low-vision therapist with the Alaska Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired. On the desk between them is a selection of magnifying glasses of different sizes. So I like this size. Sampson is at the clinic seeking assistance for macular degeneration. That's an eye disease that causes blurring of the central vision. I couldn't read the date on things. I couldn't, I couldn't even read the label on some of the stuff in the store. Glasses don't help, but for now, Sampson is able to drive in the daytime. She runs errands for herself and her husband, also in his 80s, and she says at the grocery store she has been asking employees to help her read the labels. It's, it's not fun, 
but people are so helpful. Just makes me want to cry. That that's that's life. And I know I'm not alone. She's not alone. In Alaska, over 14,000 people of all ages, roughly 2% of the population, reported vision difficulty, according to a 2019 survey by the American Foundation for the Blind. And the numbers are likely higher. Helping Samson with her vision is Elijah Haynes, a low vision therapist and rural outreach coordinator with the nonprofit. He travels around the state to see people in towns like these to share tools and strategies for vision and mobility help. Most people are coming to us because they've stopped doing something that they liked or had to do. Maybe they stopped working um, because they weren't able to see their computer or they weren't able to um, see something they were trying to do at work. Um, reading is, of course, a huge challenge for a lot of people. So maybe they're not able to read their mail and handle their bills and finances. Prior to the low vision clinic in Haines, Samson had received a kit in the mail with several magnifiers to try out for reading and bright orange markers for her stove and washing machine to mark the settings. Clinics are free, but costs can be challenging. Medicare often does not cover vision, and some of the devices can be thousands of dollars. So the nonprofit's low vision therapists, like Haynes, help with reaching out to local charitable organizations or grants to cover those costs. There's certainly a lot of people, Alaskans around the state, who ultimately don't get those devices because there just isn't the funding. And if something is 500 or $1,000, that's a huge chunk out of somebody's budget. So there's a big um, need that's not going filled. This is the first low vision clinic in Haines in over two years due to the pandemic. And Haines says they have been able to fill some of that need in rural communities by sending out kits with devices and doing phone consultations. While they're working to meet that backlog, he says the greater issue is challenging society's low expectations of people with vision loss. Like for someone who's blind, a lot of people assume that they can't use a computer or they can't walk on their own. And we really need to challenge that because it's just totally uh, bogus, you know. If someone has the right training and tools and opportunities, they can do all of those things. And so it's really those low expectations that keep people stunted and really keep people from finding independence. The center partners with local organizations for outreach and to connect with local resources. Southeast Alaska Independent Living, or SAIL, hosts the low vision clinics in the Upperland Canal and can help people with obtaining vision devices where possible and how to use them. And after today, Samson has a new handheld magnifier for reading those labels in the store, the newspaper, or whatever she needs. In Haines, I'm Corinne Smith. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News. This 